You're listening to Live Alive from Live Alive, released July 22nd, 2022, composed by Yoko Shimomura, as everything on the episode today is going to be composed by Yoko Shimomura. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of The Movie Bar. Every month with the dyad, it is Bedroth. Hey, man. Good to be back. Glad to have you back after uh, a fun week of Radio Hour, which was a pretty good episode. If you missed that, go check it out. Had some fun music in there, and we got some fun music lined up for today's episode, too. We got a spotlight episode. Yeah, we got a spotlight episode today, but before we get to that, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on, and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow, and remember, we are on Patreon now as well, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week, Works Wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zenku. So, yeah, man, it has been quite some time since we've focused on one particular game for BG Mania for these spotlight episodes. I think the last one we did, I'm looking through the list of all the episodes we've posted recently on Anchor. And it looks like the last spotlight episode was Elden Ring. And that was the, oh, the wow. two weeks we had back to back where I did Elden Ring. And then before that was Horizon Forbidden West, two weeks that you yeah. weren't on. Uh, those are the last two spotlight episodes we've done for the show. And then before that was the actual first episode you joined me on when we brought BG Mania back from a short hiatus after Frank 
uh, stopped doing the show with me, which was Persona 5 Strikers. So we've done a couple of these spotlight episodes this year. But this week on the show, we get to dive into the recently released HD 2D remake of Live Alive, which originally came out back in 1994 in Japan and was landlocked to Japan until this remake. This is the first time it's been in English. Yep. I I have been marginally aware of this game uh, just really just through doing research for the episode. Um or for, 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 for my podcast, rather. And uh, I, as a fan of Yoko Shimomura, I discovered it when I was going back through her soundtracks, and I was really intrigued. It looked like a super interesting game, and I, I never did since, you know, last few years. I've talked about this before. I haven't had as much time for gaming, so I never did go out and, like, look for a fan translation to patch onto a ROM or anything like that. So I really didn't know anything at all uh, when the trailer for this dropped earlier this year and I was I was really stoked it looks really cool yeah and I've been playing it now I will preface that by saying I'm not finished with it yet but I have been putting quite a bit of time into it over the last oh 10 days or so that it's been released it came out on July 22nd on the switch and I just rented it from Gamefly, so I don't actually own it, but I did rent it and got it a couple days after. I am through four chapters officially, and I am on the fifth chapter right now out of nine, basically. There's seven Mm -hmm. main chapters and then an eighth chapter that opens up after, and then a final chapter after that. But I have decided to play through the chapters in, like, timeline order. So I started with prehistory and then went to Imperial China and then the Twilight of Edo, Japan, and then the Wild West. So those are the four that I finished, and I'm currently on present day. And so I still have the near future and the distant future to do. And then after those two, the Middle Ages opens up and then a final chapter. And so I don't think we're going to get into a whole lot of plot stuff on this episode so no worries about spoilers or anything i mean even though this is a like almost a 30 year old game it's new it's still kind of new and it wouldn't be fair yeah because we've never gotten it in english so a lot of people are finally getting to experience this game for the first time i don't want to spoil anything but the general premise of this game is uh I guess probably the closest correlation I could draw to any other RPG would be Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah. The, mm-hmm. yeah it's, uh, so there are eight different characters uh, scattered throughout time, as Brian kind of alluded to when he was talking about playing the different sections in timeline order, uh, all the way from a cave boy in prehistory to well, basically a droid in the far future. And uh, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about, uh, I've got some blurbs I can pull up about the different uh, eras as we play music from them. But uh, it's in every one of them, you're fighting an enemy that, or you're, the big bad is an enemy that as you go through the different eras, you find out there's some kind of connection going on here. Right. Um, a lot of it's based on the enemy's name. Um, and the more you play through, of course, the more things start to piece together and uh, kind of build toward the, the end game, you know, the, the final chapter that you were talking about. I like that you use, that you chose to use the term endgame as well, because a lot of people have been comparing this to Avengers Endgame with like oh yeah every everything kind of coming together <laughs> right yeah you have all these different heroes with different abilities 
And yeah, absolutely. It's also really cool. Anybody who wants to check this out but you haven't yet, uh, I have downloaded the demo on the Switch. And in the demo, you actually get to play through uh, three full chapters. Uh, you have prehistory. No, I'm wrong. You have Imperial China, um, uh, Japan, and then the far future available to you. And so I just started the Japan chapter. I got a little bit of the way through and then I died and I just haven't gotten back to it yet. <laughs> but this is the next game that I'm going to finish unless I get my physical copy of Shredder's Revenge before I'm done with it. But this will be the next one that I jump into to completion. It's, uh, I mean, the, the story looks really cool. And uh, of course, Yoko Shimomura is my favorite. So uh, to experience all of these tracks in the game is going to be really cool. I know when we were talking about doing this spotlight episode, because it's something that I definitely wanted to do. I like doing these spotlight episodes for new release games when the soundtracks are kind of fresh and hot and everybody's looking for the looking for the music out there on various channels. I mentioned that I wanted to do this particular game a couple months ago to you, and you're like, well, I definitely want to be there for that episode, so make sure it's not a solo episode because it's Yoko Shimomura. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. And... I mean, just to, to give everybody an idea of what's in store, that opening track, the uh, title theme for, for Live Alive, which that is the official pronunciation I heard on uh, the Kit and Krista show recently that for a while there was no real official English pronunciation of the game, but somebody at the Nintendo Treehouse said that, well, officially when it's talked about in English by, you know, uh, people in Japan, it's it's pronounced Live Alive, so... Um, but yeah, the title track, that opening theme, really cool, really rousing uh, sort of like opening montage style track. Yeah, and that was my first. You and I kind of went through the entire soundtrack over the last couple weeks and mm -hmm. each brought seven picks from that particular soundtrack. So that was my first submission and probably the best way to kick the show off because it is the first piece of music that you hear when you boot the game up. And kind of like you mentioned, this this montage of, of stuff, right? And I'm sure the demo is the same way, right? It probably has the same yes. opening scene where it's showing like bits and pieces of the various of chapters all the and chapters, all the characters yeah. that you're going to encounter. Yeah, with, with this beautiful, beautiful track kind of playing in the background. It's, man, this entire soundtrack is so strong and kind of comparing it to which I know you've done quite a bit of in, in prep for this episode, comparing it to the original Super Nintendo compositions. It's really cool to oh, yeah. just hear how far it's come. Absolutely. Now, this was uh, Shimomura's first full soundtrack that she did for Square after moving to the company. Uh, she had worked on sound uh, for a, a few games beforehand, uh, but this was the first full soundtrack she composed after leaving Capcom and going to Square. It's actually, a little bit of trivia here, uh, the first game that Yasunori Mitsuda worked on, uh, he did some of the sound design and some of the sound support work on this title as well. I guess that would make sense, because this, this came out in Japan before Chrono Trigger, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we can talk about this a little as we go through as well, because I don't want to front-load everything, but speaking of Chrono Trigger and Octopath Traveler, uh, as you go through this game, it's really interesting. You can see things that were influenced by some stuff that came before. Uh, there's one uh, story in particular that I think it's really it's really cool that uh, Shimomura got to got to do this after doing another another series that has some strange similarities. But Fighting. 
Yeah, yep, present day. Uh-huh. And, uh, present day. And I have a track from that chapter later on in the show. And, but there are a lot of things here also that I think sort of are precursors to other games, especially from Square, that it's going to be exciting to get into. And what's also going to be exciting later on, another track that I brought toward the end of the show, actually the, the last track we're going to play before the closeout track, will have a lot to say because that's the big track and, you know, this entire game, Live Alive, was Toby Fox's big influence for Undertale. Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff planned for this episode. <laughs> and I guess before jumping into my first block, one other thing I always like to talk about is my strategy for narrowing down my song, because everybody knows I always go crazy and dive deep on these things. Uh, I So I was listening to this at work, and it's, <laughs> it's funny. The way that I got access to this soundtrack at first was um, I, I, I was able to uh, procure uh, what I, is probably a rip uh, from the game of all the different audio, and it's numbered in the file name, but when you load it into any kind of program to, that plays music, the numbers go away and it's just the titles. Well, I use just kind of a cheap music, uh, free music player on my phone when I'm just listening to MP3s because most of the time I'm not. I'm listening to podcasts or YouTube or something like that. And so I listened to the soundtrack the first time through in alphabetical order. Okay. <laughs> and so I wanted to be able to talk about what happened. So I knew later on I was going to go back and kind of reorder them. But the first time I listened through to it, I just had a, I was at work and I just had a text file open off to the side of what I was doing. And about partway through listening to a track, I would just type in just a few words to kind of sum up what the track was and move forward. So my my summary for Live Alive, the opening track, is rousing fanfare, opening cinematic vibes. <laughs> and, so, and you were dead you, on. Even listening to you it were dead halfway on. through. Yeah, even listening to it ha- like halfway through the soundtrack listen, because it's in the L's, I it it's it's right there. So uh, I'll, I'll share my little blurbs as we get to each different track. And then that'll be fun. First time through, I narrowed it down to 19 because I would just bold the tracks that I knew I wanted to come back to. And then I listened to those 19 tracks and did my usual thing of not picking things that were too similar, but picking things that I liked. And uh, that's how I finally got it narrowed down. Nice. Whereas, whereas for me, I just I let you submit your seven first. And then I just went through and picked my favorite seven from what you didn't submit. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm excited to do this episode, man. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And obviously, anytime we get to really, because this is basically like a mini composer spotlight for Yoko Shimamura as well, just focusing on one game. Yeah. Anytime we get to do something like this, I always have a blast. So I'm looking forward to this episode. And with the variety we're going to be listening to, it's it's going to be surprising, I think, to anybody who hasn't heard this soundtrack yet that all these songs came from the same game. It's yep. a really diverse playlist. So, yep. All right. But on that well, note, I guess yep. let's go ahead and jump into... Uh, let's do it. It's my first three, and um, the first track in my first block is called Knock You Down. We'll talk about that a little bit when we come back. Once again, of course, this was composed by Yoko Shimomura.
And next up, we're going to listen to Kiss of Jealousy, once again from Live Alive, composed by Yoko Shimabura. Last up in this block, we're listening to Playing With Psychos, once again from Live Alive, composed by Yoko Shimabura.
right, and coming back in, we are talking about Knock You Down. And Dude. I'm st- still kind of reeling from from that last song, but all three of these. <laughs> oh, my so God, I fun. know. All, this is, what a block. <laughs> what a block this was. <laughs> yeah, definitely going to bring us in with some energy here. But, yeah, Knock You Down. Um, lots, of, lots of really great sax and organ work here. You can tell that oh, this yeah. is a battle theme. Correct. Uh, my blurb for this one is rocking fight music, cool sax. <laughs> dude, sweet, sexy sax music, dude. I freaking yeah. love it. And uh, fight music apparently is, uh, again, right on the money. Uh, have, have you heard this song yet in the game? Um, I believe so, yes. I think this is in present day, if I'm not mistaken. It is. This is yeah. the fight music during all the fights in the present day story. Yep. yep. So, so that's that's the chapter I'm in, and I'm like about an hour and a half, maybe two hours into that chapter. So, it that's what I was almost positive it came from that chapter. Yes. And it's uh, this story is so cool. It, I mean, this basically the main character is Ryu. <laughs> Correct. It's basically a, it's basically Street Fighter. Yeah, he's trying to fight his way up through this tournament to become the greatest warrior in the world. And, I mean, that's Street Fighter 2 is the world warrior. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And some of this music in, in this chapter, when I went back and found out that this is what it was from, you can really tell Shimamura is, like, sort of evolving from her Street Fighter roots in some of this some of this stuff. Well, that's probably was, was so cool for her, too, right? Like, she made a name for herself yeah. with that Street Fighter 2 soundtrack and then really getting to come and, and do not necessarily a full game for Square Enix kind of in the same fashion but this chapter in Live Alive which really is inspired by Street Fighter and is one of the more unique chapters in Live Alive. There's a couple unique chapters but this one I definitely would consider one of the more unique ones. I've I've heard that the the battle um, or the, the fighting style is different in these fights. What it is, is. What is it like in this? So it's, it's more like a, it's more like a so fighting far. game. Instead of a like, instead of an actual turn-based JRPG, it's more like an actual fighting game. Now, obviously, there's still some you know JRPG roots within the battle system, but what's really cool, and not even just with present day, but like all of the actual um, chapters have unique mechanics and unique battle styles. So they all have like some elements that are the same, where you're sort of moving around on a grid and moving your characters around, kind of like in a in a strategy RPG-esque vibe, but each one has different ways that you will kind of go through the battles and all have own their own unique mechanics as well. Like Prehistory is the only chapter that has a crafting uh, element as well in the game, or the chapter. So it's the only one where you can actually like craft weapons, craft armor, and that could, because again, it makes sense, right? Prehistory, so... And so the present day chapter is called The Strongest. The Strongest, yes. And it stars uh, uh, Masaru Takahara uh, in his, again, quest to become the greatest warrior in the world. And yeah, the wiki here says that, that it's made up of all battles and no field breaks in between Correct. them. It's all like actual just, you know, like if you were playing Street Fighter, battle to battle to battle to battle. And it looks like one of the RPG mechanics here is that as you fight the different characters, you actually gain some of their abilities as you go on. Like he's learning different fighting styles. Yep. That's cool. That's really cool. Yep. Okay. It's, and, and each each one, again, kind of like a grid-based system, but each battle that you go through, and a lot of these characters basically feel like Street Fighter characters, right? Like they, they really freaking do. Like the first guy that you go against is this 
character wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and a and a hat, like a straw hat, and he kind of feels like Blanca to me, or, or similar, you know, yeah. um, similar vibes, yeah, similar vibes, similar stances. And then oh, okay. you get to the the second one, which is the the next one that I did, and this is the one that I stopped after. Takes place in like this barbed wire cage setting, and it's this guy with blonde hair and camo gear that reminds me a lot of Guile. So like uh, pretty much all <laughs> these so characters cool. were based off of Street Fighter characters. And then just a minute ago, you mentioned prehistory and how it has a, a crafting system. That's going to bring us into the second track in this block, mm-hmm. Kiss of Jealousy. Yeah. Which is, and I, I didn't know all of this beforehand. I used the wiki to verify some of the names of my tracks, but I'm just now finding out some of you know what, what's going on with them. Uh, my blurb for Kiss of Jealousy is steamy, groovy dance, like a tango or a rumba. <laughs> Which makes sense for the actual track because this is the character theme for the princess or the girl. She may not be a princess, but the the prehistory character that you play as the caveman Pogo, he basically falls in love with her on first sight. It looks like her name might be Beru. Beru, yep. Beru, and okay. she, cool. B-E-R-U, and she was yeah. the planned, like, sacrifice for this caveman tribe without really getting into much more spoiler content. Gotcha, and yeah. he saves her or tries to save her, right? Like goes through, that's his quest. So um, anytime that like she's the focal point of the story and what's being talked about in game, this track is actually playing. And it's a great freaking piece of music, dude. Obviously not super like prehistory vibes, right? Like a lot of the tracks that you hear in prehistory do sound kind of primitive, but this track doesn't really sound primitive. No, it doesn't. A lot of that's the instrumentation. I I wonder if the original version might sound a little bit more, you know, like that with some of the scents that she used, Uh, because I didn't listen to this one uh, in the original, um, the original version. So uh, I'll have to go back and check that out. But um, but yeah, this, the the dance style of this with that really cool lead synth and the the jazz or the sorry the brass that comes in. It's very it's, jazzy. Um, you man, said the word, it's, but it's very jazzy. Yeah, it's so fun. It's uh, I mean, uh, so when I picture this, uh, I know the play style is not like action RPG, but when I picture what I've seen from this area of the game. The, the art style and the colors and everything really remind me of Secret of Mana. It really does. Mm-hmm. really does. It's got that bright, uh, friendly, kind of colorful tone to it. Of course, the prehistory setting uh, kind of um, not really the same, but, but sort of predicts the, the prehistoric era in Chrono Trigger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of dancing and, uh, and battle cave people going on there. And uh, in this chapter, it says, In a forgotten era before kings and kingdoms, a young man comes of age and is given permission by his tribe's stern elder to go forth and hunt together with his best friend. Who is, a, who is a monkey. <laughs> Gory, yeah, his best friend Gory the monkey. Yeah. Uh, bereft of spoken <laughs> words, they rely on their senses to survive, in particular a powerful sense of smell. Guided by their noses, they track game and find shelter and learn much of the world and its dangers. Yeah, so this this has been probably my favorite chapter so far to play through, and it's kind of unfortunate that it's the first one in timeline order, so it's the very first one I did, and it's probably been my favorite so far. But it's so unique because there's no spoken dialogue. 
There's no text. That's All so of cool. these cave people just kind of communicate through gun, uh, guns, grunts, and just noises <laughs> that they're making. And there will be like a speech bubble above their head with a picture in it. So you kind of get an idea of like what they're talking about, even though they're not actually talking. And it's such a humorous chapter as well. Probably the funniest chapter in terms of comedic levels that I've played through so far. And the sense of smell comes into play because when you're actually like on the field, kind of like in the world map going from one location to another, there are random battles, but you can use your nose by pressing, I think it was Y, no, X, and both Pogo and uh, the the monkey, whose name I'm forgetting already. Um, Gory. <laughs> yes, thank you. Is able to like kind of sniff around. And when you do that, there will be these clouds that are kind of floating around on the map. And running into one of those clouds will let you know if what you're smelling is an enemy or what you're smelling is an item that can be found. And there will be like an indicator on the map of like where that smell is coming from. And if That's you go cool. there, you're either able to pick up an item or a random battle ensues. So if you don't utilize that, you might just actively run into one of the random battles on the map. But um, being able to use your nose and kind of smell them out and kind of find them that way helps you out if you don't want to try to engage in some of the random fights as well throughout the chapter. So it's a really cool mechanic, dude. Really cool mechanic. Yeah, that is really cool. It almost feels like they could probably have taken each of these ideas for each area and spun off a whole game. And made game. a full game. Absolutely. Yeah, based on that. 100%. So 100%. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. And uh, speaking of really cool, <laughs> coming up on what I told you while Man. we were listening is possibly my favorite track of the soundtrack. We'll have to see how I feel at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> so in the official soundtrack release, the name of this track is Playing With Psychos. Uh, originally, it looks like the the theme was translated as a painful death at the hands of a psycho. <laughs> okay. And this is the battle theme of the flow chapter, which is in the near future, which you the haven't near gotten future, yet. Which I've not played yet. So the basic synopsis here uh, is uh, one day soon, but not yet, a rebellious youth named Akira Todokoro lives a hard life getting into trouble and picking fights because he knows what the others are thinking a rough routine but one to which he's grown accustomed however his power eventually leads him to become involved in a dark conspiracy which can only be stopped through the resurrection of an ancient robot king Wuriki <laughs> Dio <laughs> and Wuriki Dio is uh that is also the title of I think the only vocal track in this entire soundtrack which is just it's a freaking fantastic song um it almost made it onto the list with me you have to go and check out buriki dayo um uh, either the english or japanese versions they're both greats and they're sung by i can't remember his name but you can find it if you look it up oh that that the, track is I, yeah that track is amazing dude. yeah it's so cool it's sung by one of like the like a famous um anime like male anime vocalist so like somebody with a lot of history behind him but but man uh psycho playing with psychos my my blurb for this one is upbeat and driving sax and guitar <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so cool about this you and i were talking while listening but like the blend of the saxophone and that electric guitar is so well done that like 
unless you're paying attention and you know when it switches, and if you're getting just lost in the music, you might not even realize the instruments have switched because they do so well blending it together. Yoko really did a great freaking job on this track, dude. Yeah, and I mean, we don't have all the details pulled up in front of us, so we don't know like who the performers were on each of these instruments, but, but hats off to them. Man, this... The, the saxophone on this, uh, it has the sax and it has that Hammond B3 organ, like knock you down. But the addition of the electric guitar and the style this is written in, it just, it, it has some of those, it has anime vibes to it, honestly. Um, it really does. And you and I also, uh, we mentioned that this has, sounds a lot like Falcom as well. Mm, it really does, dude. It really does. This sounds like potential ease music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would not have been surprised to hear it in an ease game. Yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. Great track. What a great pick. Um, You're, uh, two saxophone picks this block, man. You're really making me want to do a saxophone episode. I know. It's crazy. And I mean, I, I really just, I don't know why I decided to group these particular three together. That's just kind of <laughs> how it fell out. They were three of the first ones I picked. So um, apparently the way that she uh, handled the sax in the soundtrack and just these these really jazzy numbers, uh it, it spoke to me in a, in a deep and spiritual way, like Yoko always does. Like she always <laughs> does. That's why she's your number one in the Masters of EGM list. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. So funny. Yeah. So uh, I am interested, though, to get into your next block because uh, I def- I know one of these songs. It was really close to being in my list as well. Uh, the other two, I remember listening to them, and I will have little blurbs about them as well. But I'm I want to listen to them again. So nice, <laughs> yeah. So I've got a I've got a pick here that we're going to start out with from the Imperial China chapter. My final pick of this block is from the present day chapter, and then the one in the middle. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I don't know where it is because we'll, I haven't we'll gotten to it yet in the game. Come back. <laughs> exactly. So let's kick things off with a really lengthy track. And, and you'll probably, if you know me, be able to pick up on why I picked this track once you hear it. <laughs> but I'll tell you again why that was after we get back. So the name of this track is Unto the Birds the Heavens, Unto the Fish the Seas, from Live Alive, again composed by Yoko Shimamura.
up next, we'll take a listen to Epic of the Archon from Live Alive, again composed by Yoko Shimomura. Last up in this block, we'll take a listen to the strongest Victory Road from Live Alive, again composed by Yoko Shimomura. (laughs) 
coming back in. We are talking about Unto the Birds, the Heavens, Unto the Fish, the Seas. From Live Alive, of course, as everything is on today's episode. And I'll just remind you guys, Live Alive did release on the Nintendo Switch just recently, July 22nd, 2022. Uh, But it did come out in Japan way, way back in the day, almost 30 years ago, September 2nd, 1994. Crazy, that's that's almost been 30 years, dude. Why are we getting older? (laughs) Why does time suck? (laughs) <laughs> Time just sucks the life right out of you, man. <laughs> sucks the life and makes you older. I know it's awful. But you but, know this game is a reminder that even as it uh, is as, time, you know, yeah. as we pass on, time continues and time marches will come on. To take our time place. waits for no so, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But man, e- even the name of this track is just so cool. It's got oh, that ancient dude. Chinese proverb vibe to it. Absolutely. And and a big reason why I picked this track, dude, and, and you may have picked up on it. I know I mentioned it to you specifically, but one of my favorite pieces of video game music of all time, I recently played it again for probably the 10th time on this show, uh, tends to be the track that I bring the most whenever I'm able to replay a piece of music, is The Morning Fog's Wave from Shenmue 2. Right. And a lot of the stylization and vibes of this track really give me strong vibes of what Yuzo Koshiro and that entire team did for, for the soundtrack of Shenmue 2. And it makes sense because only a portion of Shenmue 2 takes place like in Japan, like a very small amount of it, not actually probably not any of it. Most of it all takes place in, in China as as he's you know on his quest to avenge his father and take down Londi so um yeah the just the similarities between these two pieces of music i thought was really freaking cool but on top of that it's just a gorgeous piece dude i love it so much yeah it's so my notes on uh, on this track on my little comment sheet are regal at times almost playful uh oriental flutes yeah the flutes are are standout instruments in this track for sure and it has a very very cinematic feel to me like it's just so well done yeah and this is the main theme of the inheritance scenario which takes place in uh, ancient china which Mm -hmm. you did you Which is a really cool chapter again as well. All the chapters have been really cool so far because they're so different, right? Again, prehistory has that prehistoric caveman, no dialogue feel to it. Only one with crafting. China, you're basically training up some disciples and, and the battle system is very different because of that. Japan can either be played as a stealth game or... A merciless samurai just killing everybody in his way, right? You can choose to play through that game (laughs) entirely stealthy, though, and not kill anybody, which is really cool. Um, Wild West is all about duels, right? And the actual, like, what you think of when when you think of the Wild West and saloons and deserts and, you know, 1870s Red Dead Redemption type stuff. Yeah, I've got a Wild West track later on. You do, on, and I'm and, excited uh, for that I'm, one. Yeah. And it's going to it's gonna make me talk about another RPG series that you probably nice. already know I'm going to talk about. But oh, yeah. I already <laughs> know. I already know. But, but yeah, this um, and that the mechanic in the Japan chapter, which, like I said, is the only one that I played. Uh, and the only one we really didn't cool bring a track from. We have a couple tracks that are in all the chapters a little bit later on, but the only one we didn't bring a specific Japan exclusive track from. It is, yeah. There are a couple of tracks earlier in the soundtrack. If anybody wants to look up, um, I had Shadowed Duty and The Sound of Silence 
from uh, the Japan chapter, both on my short list. And uh, both of those are really cool traditional Japanese instruments. And if you listen to them back to back with this one, and uh, uh, again, um, Unto the Birds, the Heavens, and uh, and back to back with the first track in my next block, you'll hear Sh- Shimomura in her composition, but even more than that, in the instrumentation and her arrangements for the newer version, the nuance that she brought to this and the differences she put into the Chinese music versus the Japanese music. It's uh, because there are some really similar instrumentations. Of course, they come from some similar background. Japan owes a lot of its uh, its mythology and, and um, history to early China. And so you, you have a lot. And, and of course, instruments, a lot of them are crafted from uh, the earliest instruments are crafted from things that they found around where they lived. And so a lot of the same uh, plants and things like that that you would make these instruments out of are going to grow in, in those places. And so uh, that's why you have a lot of wood flutes and things like that. But this, this track is also... Um, I like how it plays off the strings as well. She brings in some of those, uh, like like the violin. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I heard... Um, it, the string instruments are a little harder for me, but I think I heard something that's a traditional um, Asian string instrument in the background as well. Oh yeah, I don't I don't quite know all the names of all the instruments, and that's never been right, my strong yeah. suit. <laughs> I was going to mention that the it, you talked about how in the Japan chapter you can choose to either play it as a stealth game or play play it as a bloodbath, and that is uh, also a nice sort of precursor to um, uh, Undertale. And as you would think, I, I can't remember who mentioned Correct. it on mic or off mic, but how Toby Fox took a lot of inspiration from this game. Because mm-hmm. you can choose Undertale, not so. to kill any of those enemies in Undertale. And you and I played through that Japan chapter when you started it, and then obviously I finished it. We played through it completely different. You tried to be stealthy. <laughs> I just murdered everyone in my path. <laughs> Which I think is probably why I died. Um, yeah, I was <laughs> definitely I quite up, a bit overleveled. Yeah, I hadn't built up any sort of resilience to it, but... Uh, man, the way you describe this chapter to me, how you're this old Shifu who is training up these disciples to uh, sort of pass on his knowledge, that is so cool to me because you, the mentor is never the star of the show. The mentor in the archetypal hero story is always an early supporting yeah, character. Yeah, he's a side character. Yep. Yeah, and the, and the fact that you get to be that character and inhabit that that spot in this uh, in this scenario is really really cool. I'm I'm excited to get to play that. It's probably been my favorite chapter so far in terms of story and narrative. Maybe not necessarily gameplay, but the narrative was was really well done in Imperial China. And yeah, you, as you as you train up these disciples and you know students of yours. Um, they eventually like slowly learn your moves and you know you get each day because it's broken up into like once you get your disciples it's broken up into three different days and you can choose who you're going to train with and you get four battles each day and you can pick either of the three now I will give you a heads up and for anyone out there playing that maybe hasn't gotten to Imperial China it is very very smart to just focus on one of the three disciples whichever one's play style and character you like the best because if you if you spread it out amongst all three of them the game will just choose one of them as your successor eventually but if you focus on just one that's the one the game will choose <laughs> Nice. So you you definitely want to sort of focus on one character um, because it'll make sense a little bit later on in the game. 
Um, but the, the more you focus on that one character, obviously the stronger they're going to be because each time you battle them, they gain experience. They gain you the ability to get your moves. They gain stat increases because the Shifu that you're playing as, his, his default name is Earthen Heart. Um, he is the Shifu of the Earthen Heart. But um, he doesn't gain experience. He doesn't level up. He's just passing on his knowledge, which is, again, a really cool mechanic for a JRPG. It so is. Yeah, love that. But uh, we've been on this one for a while. What do you say we move on to the track? That, That's uh, that fine. Yeah, I <laughs> had a lot to say on that particular track. I apologize. But that middle nah, track there that I brought, <laughs> Epic of the Archon, uh, this yeah. is from the Middle Ages chapter we found out, so I've not gotten to this yet. It is the last chapter you play through because it's not unlocked initially, right? This You have to play through the first seven chapters before this one will unlock, and then there's a final chapter after this one, so I haven't quite gotten to this one yet. This one plays in uh, yeah, the Lord of Dark, also called the King of Demons, is the name of this scenario. It takes place in the Middle Ages. Uh, long ago, in the kingdom of Lucrece, a hero appeared and slew the Lord of the Dark. Though that hero has long since vanished, the Dread Archon has risen once more. Thus must a new champion take up arms to cast down the Fiend and deliver the princess from evil. Uh, the hero of this chapter is a knight, it looks like, named Ersted. Ersted, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is the music that plays when he begins his quest to save the princess. So I wonder, and you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit while listening to it, I wonder if this is field music or like just, you know, as you as you move from one area to another because it sort of has that vibe in certain areas. Yeah, I could see either field music or possibly like maybe a cutscene style thing where he's like... Cutscene like music maybe, the castle yeah. To like start his quest or something. And uh, you mentioned that this reminds you of some of the early Final Fantasy music. And you also told me that this game was developed by the same um, in-house team at Square that worked on Final Fantasy IV. Is that right? Yep, Final Fantasy IV. The main, the main director of Live Alive, Takashi Takeda, was the designer and director of, of Final Fantasy IV. Well, not the director. Obviously, Sakaguchi was the director, but he was the main designer right, yeah. of Final Fantasy IV. Takashi Takeda... Um, and this was his first like game as as main director, and yeah. I think that's why a lot of this does have that Final Fantasy vibe, especially Final Fantasy Four, and that game relied heavily in like the you know the Middle Ages um, Knights of the Round Table style. Uh, vibes that it had going and that's exactly what this music sounds like it also again much like unto the birds the heavens whatever that track was called yeah unto the birds the heavens unto the fish the sea is such a long track name but um, <laughs> very cinematic as well and this one kind of has some like Disney like maybe 90s Disney movie vibes to me as well it, it does yeah I, I could see something like that ish mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I like the, uh, again, the flutes are really, the woodwinds are the stars of the show yes. here. Um, this one, let me see what did I say about this. Ah, okay, so my, my blurb about this one when I was making notes is high-spirited and adventurous. <laughs> so, yeah, so and hey, we go, you man. nailed that. And Final Fantasy IV is a really, that. I don't have a lot of experience with it. Shukapau played through that last year on his computer and really enjoyed it. Um, but that did make me think of Final Fantasy VI, also on the, the 
Super Famicom. Of course, Final Fantasy 3 here in the States. Final Fantasy 4 was Final Fantasy 2 here in the States. So we did actually get both of those. Um, but this game, you know, we talked about its comparison to uh, Octopath Traveler, but earlier than that, just a few years after this game came out, you had Final Fantasy 6, which of course also had a huge cast of characters and you jumped around in the story and focused on different ones at different times and then they kind of came together. So uh, again, lots lots of things that, that this game really sort of, I don't know if you could say it directly inspired them, but there are definitely a lot of similarities. And I mentioned while we were listening, it makes me wonder how the game how the modern landscape of gaming might be different if this had come out in the US and Europe and reached a wider audience. Right. I have a feeling a lot more people would have been inspired by it had it been in English and, and been more accessible. And you really do yeah. kind of wonder because of all the different gameplay mechanics and styles that went into this, what could have potentially happened for, for some of those JRPGs during like the, the golden era back during the PlayStation stuff. So uh, and shout out to Frank if he's listening. I'm sure he is. But Final Fantasy IV is his favorite Final Fantasy of, of the series. Not my uh, favorite. Cool. I did rank uh, all 13 of them, you know, the mainline games back in our Discord server. Again, I know we put out like a protagonist rank on YouTube back in the day. But uh, my my rundown of 1 through 13, just real quick, I got Final Fantasy VIII on top still. I have to. I love Final Fantasy VIII. But that's, that'll always be my favorite. So my list goes 8, 7, 6, 10, 9, 12, 15, 4, 3, 13, 1, 2, and then 5. That's my order. Gotcha. And 11 and 14 not on there because they're really, really different styles of game being MMOs. Because they're MMOs. So, yeah, they're MMORPGs. Yeah. Yep. And I love both of those games equally. I think I like 14 more than 11, but I've enjoyed my time that I spent playing those MMOs quite a bit. I still play 14. Yeah. I have never finished a Final Fantasy game. The The farthest I got in any of them was Mystic Quest. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy USA to uh, anybody <laughs> listening in Japan. But, yeah. uh, but I, I have played through quite a bit of 6, and I've started 7 and 9. I just haven't really gotten gotten into them because I didn't uh, didn't really get into the Final Fantasy series until much later in life. So, but And I but finished cool them all. And, um, I finished every yep. single one of them and really looking <laughs> forward to 16 next summer. And hopefully, before we get to 16, we'll get uh, Crisis Core Rebirth or whatever that they decided to call that remake, um, which should be coming out this winter, which will be fun to play through. And then next year, obviously, again, we have 16 in the summer. And then next winter is the long-awaited 7 Remake Part 2. I can't freaking wait. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, playing through oh, all the I Final Fantasy wait. games, uh, that's that's quite a long road. And beating all of them is a, it's quite a victory. What would you say? It, it's a victory road. I see what you tried to do there. <laughs> I see what I did <laughs> <A> Nice there. <laughs> transition. <laughs> nice transition into the last pick I brought for that block, which is called, again, the strongest victory road. This is from the present day chapter and is basically like the main chapter music of that particular episode. Um, I love the synth, dude. It is so good. And the big is, reason this I picked this one. pure 80s goodness, man. Oh, yeah. My favorite. And this My would be right at home in a, in a Street Fighter and it game, does have, I think. It, yeah. I was just going to say, it has some strong, like, victory music, Street Fighter type stuff, right? And just the same instrumentation and style that Shimamura used for that particular soundtrack. 
Yeah. And I mean, this doesn't sound like the character select from Street Fighter, but I could hear this as like a like a character select theme in a modern Street Fighter game. It's it's a little more subdued. It, it's not as it. it doesn't go as many different places musically as some of the other songs we listen to, but it's just such a solid track and all the little flares are, are so cool. This one was also on my short list. Uh, my blurb for this is determined synths and electric guitar. <laughs> and can't forget about the bells too, though. You should have mentioned the bells. I should have mentioned the bells, but, but man, determination just still, it just resonates from word. this track good word. And, and knowing what you've told me now about the main character and what he wants in this chapter, it, it makes so much sense. Yep. And the way this chapter is laid out again with that, like, just fighting game feel where you just move from one to the next and each one really does feel like they've been modeled after a different Street Fighter character. It just all comes together, not only for video games, but for, for Yoko Shimomura, which is really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really cool pick and a really fun one. I, I enjoy this track a lot. I do. Very cool stuff, man. Uh, there's another track that didn't quite make it onto my list. Um but it is called uh, Sancho de los Panchos, <laughs> and it mm. is a um, yeah. It's a it's a Mexican style track, but well, it's really more Spanish than Mexican. But it it reminded me some of Vega's theme. Uh, it's from a different scenario that we're gonna hear something from in my next block. But uh, it, again, it's just I I almost brought that one just because it is so different. I just I didn't like it quite as much as some of the ones I ended up on. So. Sometimes it happens when you only got really seven cool picks to submit, 14, 14 slots for each episode. Some things are going to get left out. Yep. yep. But it's but cool. That just means um, there's a lot of stuff to go out there and explore and find if you want. If you like the music, there's an entire two disc soundtrack out there for this remake that's just waiting to be explored and listened to. And um, we have really kind of jumped around to the different scenarios. Um, I think that's, let me see here. I was playing with some different versions of these, so I'm double-checking my title names. Let's see. So we have got... Okay, in my next block, the first track comes from Imperial China. Uh, The second one comes from the Wild West, which we have not heard from yet. And it looks like the third one is another one that comes from the the medieval area. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about all three of these. Uh, The second one uh, may be my favorite of this block, but, but I liked them all. And um, yeah, so the the first track uh, from, again, the same chapter as Unto the Birds, the Heavens, Unto the Fish, the Seas, we are going to listen to The Shifu Descends from the Mount. Once again, from Live Alive, composed by Yoko Shimomura.
this is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Next up, we're listening to Wanderer, once again from Live Alive by Yoko Shimomura. And finally, last last track of this block is Heroic Struggle. Once again, from Live Alive, composed by Yoko Shimomura.
And coming back in, we are listening to The Shifu Descends from the Mount, or as it was originally called, The Ancient Master Descends from the Mountains. And uh, this song plays in the Imperial China uh, scenario in any place that is not the mountains, according to the wiki. So, Yeah, so basically, like I was telling you, it, it, I consider this the main music of this chapter because it's the, the track that you're going to hear the most as you're wandering around the individual. Because there's two villages that you'll visit in this chapter, and then there's a bamboo forest. Um, and you kind of hear this music just especially when you're walking around those towns and on the outskirts of those towns, this is always playing and it's, it's a great piece of music. Again, one that obviously I played another track from this scenario earlier on unto the heavens, the birds, unto the fish, the sea, yeah. or the sea, the fish. That's again, I don't remember exactly the name of that track already, but, um, there's a lot of similarities because again, Chinese instruments, Chinese music, and Oriental style, but it's just so well done, dude. It's so freaking good. It really is. And I, uh, as I was listening to this one, um, it's on the wiki, it looks like some of the scenarios have more music than others, which makes sense. I mean, like in the fighting scenario, there are probably more. Some of them are quite lengthier. Yeah. Yeah, to add tracks to. And in some of them, there's a little bit more or less diversity in the story, but each little section maybe goes a little bit deeper. Uh, this one was one of the last ones I listened to in my first playthrough because the in in the file I had the name of the track was Yama, which is probably uh, you know a, like a Japanese version of the title or something, and so as why it was basically the last track I listened to, and I put you know it's funny we didn't talk about this while we were listening. Uh, this is a waltz. I put multicultural waltz. Um, little Spanish guitar, Japanese that is a waltz, wind, isn't it? Yeah, Western orchestra, and of course my instrumentation is off. Now knowing that it's Chinese, this is all China. It's not Spanish guitar or Japanese strings and winds. This is all Chinese instruments. But the difference between the bowed strings and the plucked strings is is really cool. I think that's what I like about this one. Yeah, yeah. And I now that you say that, I wouldn't have actually picked up on this being an actual waltz just after like a you know a couple listens to like. But now that you right. say that, definitely right time signature. <laughs> For sure, man. But I love this. It's just so nice. Like this track is just so peaceful. And you just kind of sway to it. It's very pleasant track. It is. Yeah, it's got a peaceful vibe too. like, I mean, you know, you're just kind of wandering about as this Shifu old man. Uh, such a cool chapter, like I talked about earlier. But um, it, it makes you feel like you're in China, like it does a really good job with what you would normally think of like, you know, typical Chinese stuff. Absolutely. It definitely sets the tone. And, uh, and my second track of this block is, is similar. It's also, it's not as intense like some of the other tracks we played, uh, similar to, to the Shifu Descends, but Wanderer, it has a, a mysterious, quiet intensity to it. And it definitely evokes it the area of the Wild West, which we have uh, we haven't played anything from yet. No, and I gotta give a shout out to that whistling man. It, it's so well done in this track. And wait, you, you said this was from Wild Arms, right? That's the game this is from. <laughs> um, so yeah, earlier I, I mentioned that this track uh, definitely made me think of another <laughs> RPG series, and and yes, as you guessed while we were listening, <laughs> uh, this definitely gave me Wild Arms vibes. That whistle is just 
And man, doesn't it steal the show, that whistle? It really does, man. It's so cool. And I was telling you, like, obviously this came out on the Super Nintendo before Sony and MediaVision probably even had a, a thought to do Wild Arms on the PlayStation. And, and you were telling me that, you know, a lot of that stuff is inspired by some of those classic spaghetti westerns anyway. But I really wonder if maybe some of what they heard here in this chapter for Live Alive gave some inspiration to how they made that soundtrack for Wild Arms. Well, let's take a look. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, all of this with, with the whistle um, evoking the Wild West uh, calls back to Ennio Morricone's scores for the classic spaghetti westerns and, and things like The Good, The Bad, and mm-hmm. The Ugly with the... the I can't whistle right now, but the do 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 you know the there you go. <laughs> My lips are too dry. Something like but, that. Um yeah. but yeah, so the first Wild Arms for the PlayStation came out on December twentieth, nineteen ninety six. So it would have been so like two years after. Yeah, two years around after. the time this game came out. So yeah. So that could be then, man. That could be because they probably were putting the music together around that time, so that could definitely have played some inspiration and gave them ideas, at least, for what they wanted to do in that soundtrack. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's really all what Wild Arms is about, right? It, it does have a very strong Wild West, Western vibe to it as well. And I know Sean's loving this track, man, because he's such a big fan of that sound from Wild Arms. Sure, yeah. And the composer for that first Wild Arms, uh, and it looks like most of the series, is um, Michiko Naruke. And she was fairly busy from 1990 to 1993, but then between 93 and 96, when Wild Arms came out, she didn't do anything. So she was probably working on this Wild Arms Maybe just working on or prepping. Yeah, I was going to say, just prepping Wild Arms, yeah. So briefly, The Wanderer, again, uh, takes place in the Wild (laughs) West and uh, stars a, um, a gunslinger named Sundown. Uh, The American frontier is a place of foolish dreams and dashed hopes. A tired soul rides into dying town, a dying town terrorized by outlaws. Success, they call it, uh, the town, though to look at it now, none can imagine why. (laughs) Against a gang of villains, a lone gunslinger stands no chance. But perhaps by working together with the locals to prepare traps before the crazy bunch arrives, one man may yet make a difference. So talk a little about your time Which is in the Wanderer really scenario. Cool. Yeah, yes. Okay, so again, a really cool chapter because it has some unique gameplay mechanics and elements found in it. So you mentioned working together with the locals and setting traps. So one of the big things that you do before this gang arrives toward the end and closes out the chapter is you go into these individual buildings and saloons and stuff and you're you're setting up traps in these buildings to kind of take out the gang as they arrive and as they try to like ransack the area. So you're, you're doing a lot of prep work, setting some traps and, and kind of working with the locals to do that. But then once they arrive, the game kind of sh- shifts and transitions to like what you would expect with a, a Wild West type of a thing and, and relying heavily on duels, which again, very different from any other chapter in the game and just makes it feel so unique. 
Like, you mentioned it earlier on in this show, how they really could have taken each of these episodes and spun them off into their own games. There's enough uniqueness and different styles of gameplay in all of these chapters that they really do stand apart on their own. It's so cool. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to be when I play through the, the game, because I've heard that this game is really... It's not that long for an RPG, and... It's not um, lengthy, no. It's not super lengthy. Each chapter... Now, there are some chapters that are longer than others, but each chapter can be, at most, just maybe like two or three hours. I think the longest chapter so far that I've played through is Japan, and that one took me maybe four and a half hours to get through. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So all in all, when you're done with the game, you probably are going to be looking at maybe somewhere around 30 hours, which is on the shorter side for a JRPG. Yeah, which is, you know, it's nice because I don't feel like, you know, jumping into this is not going to be like jumping into another Xenoblade game. But but I kind of feel like yeah, with each of these where, where I'm sitting here so waiting unique, after Live want... Alive, I'm moving into three and that's 100 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll see you when you're done with that. Um Definitely. Yeah. Excited. Do you think See we're going to do a soundtrack showcase for that one? Probably. I mean, those Simply soundtracks are so always good, so man. damn good. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. But, um, you know, speaking of moving from guns to uh, to swords, I guess there's a little bit of both in Xenoblade games. But moving back to swords, we're going to yeah, come back is. to the medieval period and the King of Demons scenario with the last track in this block called Heroic Struggle or Difficult Fight. And this is the battle theme in the medieval scenario. Yes. And I can hear that. Like, and this is by far, again, this is not a chapter that I've played through, but this is the mm-hmm. lengthiest track that we've played so far on the episode. Like the official soundtrack has this clocked in at six minutes, 40 seconds. And that's the, the version that I'm putting in the episode here. And as we listen to it, we listen to the whole dang thing and it does not loop. It does some different stuff. The further in that it track keeps, gets. Yeah. So it's cool. subtly changing and... It is really cool. Um, uh, the blurb that I, I had for Wanderer, the last track, was uh, more wild arms, uh, slower at first, then picks up into a gallop. The, the blurb I have for, um, I keep wanting to call them by their Japanese names I have here, but Heroic Struggle is uh, slap bass, horns, sense, And then I just wrote the word soaring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned that slap bass, dude. That's the first thing that I told you that I that I picked out about this track and that I fell in love with is just whoever that is just slapping the hell out of those strings on that bass guitar, man. It's just so cool sounding, and it really stands out amongst the strong synth that persists through this track. And it's tracks like this that, to me, really separates some of the maybe less experienced or... I hate to use this word because Masters of EGM was all about how great all these composers were despite their backgrounds, but less sophisticated composers, <laughs> honestly. It's uh, right. in the hands of a lesser composer, um, all of these different instruments and styles of instruments could have really sounded like kind of a mess. But in Shimamura's hands, I mean, you've got a slap bass, you've got an electric guitar, you've got strings, you've got woodwinds, you've got brass, so classical orchestral things. And it's it, it it comes together so well uh like something we were talking about this in the falcom series um uh, especially when when the horns and the guitar come in later on yeah 
there's some definite Falcom stuff here. You and I were kind of picking out as well as we listened to this one. There was even a moment of the track where it went from like sounding super ease to super Legend of Heroes trails type yeah. stuff. It, and that was really <laughs> cool to hear and see. Yep. And man, just I'm listening to it again in the background as we talk and it's I, I me still too. Think I, I always to do though. Every down. time you and I are talking about a track, I'm always <laughs> playing it in the background again. Yeah, I do that too. I, I, I still think I still think so far I have to come back to to that psycho track as just my favorite okay. one um, that we played so far. But everything here is just so good and again so different, just like the scenarios that it's impossible. I, I couldn't actually rank these tracks. So, but. Oh man, I'm back to the point where the guitar comes back in around the three minute mark, and dude, it's so good. Hey, that's exactly. I'm at three sixteen, <laughs> so you and I are pretty much around the same time frame. So <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. That's so funny that we do we do the same thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> this track is so great, and I think it's appropriately heroic for for like the battle music in the, the last is. unlockable scenario before the final the final part. Yeah, the Middle Ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it has a lot of those, you know, again, I guess we could compare it back to Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy 4. You can definitely hear some of that in this track as well. So you really can. Which means we only have four tracks left to try to change your mind to see if we can get you to fall in love with anything else besides playing with Psychos as your as your yeah. number one from this episode. Now, two of these, obviously, you have the playout track, which we'll talk about when we come back. But two of these that I picked for the last block are pieces of music that kind of play in every chapter, which are my last two of this block. The okay. first one that we're going to start off with, you're going to have to tell me, I don't think I've gotten to it yet in the game because I think it's from the final chapter. It is from the final chapter. Yes. Okay. So I was right on that because it sounds like it is. So I had a feeling that was final chapter music. So we have one from the last chapter of the game and then two that are in every chapter. I'll go ahead and tell you um, in, in RPGs and JRPGs, it is just it's a trope that when you fight the final boss, there is more than one form. There's more than one phase. Correct. This is Absolutely. the final phase of the final boss. So okay. when you're listening to it, keep that in your head. <laughs> okay. And the reason I picked this one is because of the freaking church organ, dude. And you'll hear that oh, as yeah, soon as man. we get to it. <laughs> so let's go ahead and kick this block off. We're going to start off with Armageddon from Live Alive, composed by Yoko Shimomura.
Coming up next, we'll take a listen to Cry Alive from Live Alive, again composed by Yoko Shimomura. Closing out this block, we'll take a listen to Megalomania from Live Alive, again composed by Yoko Shimomura.
Coming back in for the final time today, we are talking about Armageddon again from Live Alive, which I had to pick because of that freaking just amazing church organ and that choir. I was talking to you about this track, man. This is obviously, you know, you told us before we listened to it, right? This is the final form of the final boss. And hearing that makes sense, right? A lot of times in JRPGs, you get this. uh, I know you, you even mentioned it to me when we were listening to it, but it's a word that we've been using quite a bit on the show. Just, you know, sometimes in context, sometimes out of context, Baroque. But it has that feel to it. It really does. And yeah, there's there's a lot of I, I think Bach would have uh, would have enjoyed this track. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, by far, by far. And a big reason that I fell in love with this music when I heard it listening through the soundtrack to pick these tracks for the episode is because it reminds me so much, dude, so freaking much of the Velvet Room music in Persona. And again, just makes me wonder if Atlas potentially was inspired by this sound because listening to this and then immediately listening to the Velvet Room after that, the tracks sound nearly identical, like a lot of the same instrumentation, a lot of the same tempo, a lot of the same movements and the choir in the background, like the same even notes that they're hitting. It's so similar, but it's so beautiful. That's really cool. And and something I didn't pick up on. So, but yeah, yet another RPG series that uh, that this again that this preceded that has some has some echoes of what's going on here in the soundtrack. And I just I love this track. So, like I said, the first time I listened through it, it was in alphabetical order. So this is the first track that I heard. <laughs> and oh wow, um, you started with the tail end of the game. <laughs> yep, and and all I wrote for this is organ and chorus. And really, what else do you need to say? Right. That's all that needs to be said, man. I'm excited to hear this when I get to it in game because I'm excited to see how that final battle of of the entire culmination of everything is going to come into play. But, you know, it's it's definitely not spoiler content, right? Yeah, right. They all have final forms. It would be (laughs) if uh, it would be if uh, so in case anybody has finished the game and is listening, I, I will. Um, issue half a correction to myself this is not technically the final boss's like final form like it's not a stage of the fight but it is it's in that vein but it's something that I I personally have not ever seen in an RPG before I kind of spoil it for myself looking at the wiki which I don't really care but I'm not going to spoil it for you it's it's really cool so I'm looking forward to hearing what you think when you get to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward just to seeing what actually happens here. Like I said, I, I've been really enjoying my time that I've been putting into Live Alive, which is a big reason that I haven't moved into Xenoblade Chronicles 3 yet. You know, I have Digimon Survive just sitting over there on the shelf as well, waiting to be put in. Um, so many games coming out right now that I just don't have enough damn time anymore to play through these, especially these lengthier games. And even this one, like we talked about earlier, falling somewhere around like maybe the 30 hour point for the entire playthrough. Like that's still a decent time commitment, not incredible, but still when, when, you know, when you work a full time job again, like when you have other responsibilities, it's a decent time commitment. So it's taken me a little bit longer than I would like to get through this game. And just making me not look forward to sinking over 100 hours in a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 when I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but 
uh, you know, it's not, not, not something to cry about, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a, what's it, uh, I, I can't not think something of, to cry about. You got to stay. You got to stay alive. Can't cry. Right. Got to stay alive. <laughs> something there like you that. Go. Takes us into the second track. That we'll that block. To your second track. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> and that second track that I brought, "Cry Alive," is a piece of music that plays in so far, really each chapter that I can remember that I've played through. I know I've heard this more than once. It's been in several chapters and tends to play anytime there is a, a sad moment or sentimental moment happening on the screen. It is my favorite piece of music from Live Alive as well. I absolutely love this. I fell in love with it the first time that I heard it in the prehistory chapter. You know, hearing it again in the China chapter when it actually takes place for that chapter was was kind of emotional. And it, it just, you know, there's a reason that we've done two Emotions of Sadness episodes for, for BG Mania. There's a reason that I do love this slower style and more, you know, emotional style. I'm a big fan of that kind of music. And this just is so gorgeous. I love it so much. Yeah, man, this this was a really, really nice piece of music. I, I almost as soon as it started, I said, this is Xenoblade. Like, this sounds like Xenoblade. <laughs> and there is a lot of oh, sadness yeah. in, in the story of, stories of Xenoblade. A lot of, so a lot of uh, Mitsuda in this track. You're right. There is a lot of Mitsuda in this track. Well, and uh, both of them, uh, Shimamura and Mitsuda, worked on, um, worked on Xenoblade. Which actually, um, I, I will give a quick little shout out here. If if anybody wants to hear more about um, about the music of Xenoblade from the composers, there was actually an episode of Iwata Asks where uh, Satoru Iwata talked to the the director of the game and also Mitsuda and Shimamura at the same time. So that was a really cool little interview I saw. Okay, okay. I love that. That's my favorite piece of music for sure from the game. I know yours probably still is the. The, uh, uh, the psycho track that maybe. we were on uh, playing with psycho. Unless, unless. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll talk about that closeout here shortly. Uh, we'll, we'll close out this. I promise. I know this episode is a little lengthier, guys. I, I do apologize. Bedroth and I were talking about how BG Mania has kind of grown back into like a two-hour podcast, but that's okay everyone out there seems to still be enjoying it the downloads haven't gone down they've they've stayed pretty consistent with what we expect with this show so uh that that i do appreciate so yeah and i mean anybody seeing you know what this episode was about if they knew that shimamura was the composer they know i love her so they know i'm gonna talk (laughs) we got a lot to say especially you in that regard But I'm excited to talk about the last piece of music that I brought for this block as well. Um, You know, we talked about it at the very beginning of the episode and how Toby Fox was inspired by Live Alive and, you know, Megalovania, one of his standout tracks from Undertale, is, is basically a play on Megalomania. And that's the track we're talking about here, which is a piece of music that... Uh, from from what I can tell, at least so far, always plays in the final boss encounter of each of these individual chapters as like the big overarching thing that connects the music together for the chapters. And that's really cool, man. And this is such a layered, deep track. So many instruments going on. This is just so freaking cool. Yeah, there's so much going on here. And, and again, kind of similar to 
that's uh, that one that I brought on the last block uh, in the hands of a lesser composer could have really gotten muddled but uh, even even the the SNES version or the Super Famicom version I should say of this track is is really great I played that one way back on um, an episode early last year of very good music and it was the first uh, the, I played it because I read somewhere that Toby Fox was inspired by um, some of the elements in this game and that's what actually led me to discover Live Alive. And I will say, so anybody who listens to Megalomania after they listen to Megalomania, um, it, it doesn't sound exactly the same, but the idea of this, um, again, this really, really intense battle theme um, against this really powerful character that has a lot of different styles of, uh, of instrumentation in it. Um, especially when you listen to Shimamura's reimagined version here, you, you will hear those similarities uh, in theme, if not necessarily in, in tone specifically. But man, what right. a track. What a rockin' track. What a rockin' track. And I, I felt like putting this at the tail end of the episode was, was a good way to lead us into like our, our closeout discussion and our, our brief discussion on the final piece of music that, that you definitely submitted for this show, which I'm excited to talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, this just really encapsulates how much fun and how exciting Live Alive has been playing through it for the first time. Like, it's so special, and I'm so glad that Square finally got their heads out of their ass and brought this game over to the English audience, because it, too, it's, it's, a, it's a game that shouldn't have been landlocked to Japan, man. Like, it, it's a really unique experience. It does so many cool things mechanically and, and through just, you know, individual game design that you don't get to see a lot of. Bringing it all into one package, like, this is so cool, man. It's so cool. And I have something to say about that. Uh, before I do, just so I don't forget, in case anybody's keeping score, uh, for <laughs> Cry Alive, the blurb that I wrote down as I was listening is, slow, sorrowful rendition of main theme, uh, oboe lead, and harp. And uh, for Megalomania, I put orchestral rock trance update of well-known tune. <laughs> Ooh, trance is a if, good way to describe this track, yeah, it, dude. Trance is a good it, way to describe this track. And if anybody knows a track from Live Alive, like before this, this is probably the one they know, again, because of Megalovania. Or Gigalomania, yeah. which is another track that I thought about bringing but didn't. Gigalomania, I think, is actually new for the remaster. I think that that was added in a new section of the game. Is it really? I thought that was from the original. Damn, I did not know that. I, I could be wrong, but I'm 90% sure that I'm well, you right might about be, that. You're probably I, right. I, I, I know there was a new, like, a small portion added to the remastered game, and I'm pretty sure that Gigalomania is from that Do portion. Do we know what the new portion uh, is? Like, no, I, okay. I don't. I don't Me know personally. I'll never um, know I either. Just, probably. I, I heard, I heard something about it in uh, in a review or something. Um, but Gigalomania is also a really fantastic track. Both Megalomania and Gigalomania were on my short list. I really think that a few times in the last couple of minutes, I've said Gigalovania. <laughs> <But just, laughs> you know what I meant? But yeah, you mentioned head, uh, Square, um, you know, getting their head out of their ass and bringing this over to the States. But I, I honestly don't know that a lot of people were asking for this game. I, I didn't hear or read a lot of it on the message boards. I'm sure that there were some, uh, 
you know, there's a cult following that's like, you know, I played a fan translation of this and, and we really want it, but it wasn't like part of a series that we had over here that never came out. You know, it's it's not no, like, you know, Nintendo right. never bringing over Mother yeah. 3. It's, uh, it's this standalone... Yeah, which is absurd. ...obscure masterpiece that we just never had. And I'm really excited. A lot of people are getting to... Uh, getting to experience it now including us and it's been well received right that yeah including us and it's been well received that hd 2d remake style that square has kind of found themselves doing for a lot of their classic games right we know they're using the same style for a remake of dragon quest 3 um this this new style that they're using this octopath or uh what was the game that came before octopath that that had that same style uh, Bravely Default. There's another one before Octopath Traveler. Unless Octo, no, Octopath was the first. Bravely Default did kind of use it a little bit. I guess Octopath was the first. Then Triangle Strategy kind of used the same format. That, yeah, and, that's it. Yeah. Graphical Bravely style Default that was Octopath it, it used started. it. I think in like in the field areas, uh, but not definitely not in the fights. But yeah, correct. Uh, Octopath and Triangle Strategy. If you could see one retro RPG, only one redone in this style, what would it be? Only one. Only one, huh? Only one, huh? I think it would piss a lot of people off, but I would go with Final Fantasy VI. See, I think mine would also piss a lot of people off. I would go with Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And those are two, you know, very, very beloved JRPGs from from the golden era that a lot of people want remade, right? A lot of people want to see these games remade and, and redone, but they want to see it done correctly. And changing the style into like this HD 2D style could piss some people off, but I think it would be the only way to really do it justice. I don't want to see a a realistic looking Final Fantasy VI. I don't want to see a realistic looking Chrono Trigger because those games were never designed with a realistic feel in mind. The perfect type of update for that because it keeps that old school aesthetic but still modernizes it in a way yeah. that just is really, really visually beautiful. Live Alive, of course, benefits from not having that baggage to a lot of the people who are going to play the remake. But um, I think that, uh, and probably Final Fantasy VI more so than Chrono Trigger would, would I think it would be fairly easy to translate to this kind of facelift. Chrono Trigger, yes. mm-hmm. because of how active so much of the field stuff is, would probably be a little bit harder to do. Um, same with like Secret of Mana, but Final Fantasy VI would, and four too, I think, would both really benefit from from this type of reimagining. It has to be something that Square has in mind, right? They they've seen how popular to, yeah. this remake style has been with, with the sales of Octopath and Triangle Strategy, and, and now Live Alive doing well. And of course, they're using it as like, like I said for Dragon Quest Three, which I can't wait to see how that plays in this style. I think that Dragon Quest Three is going to be a real it, like it's going to decide them on how they do moving forward. Correct. But because it is one of those that people may have more nostalgia for. So if you like this style and you want to see something like Final Fantasy VI in this style, when Dragon Quest III comes out, do what you can to support it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Buy it. Support it. Make, make, let your voice be heard because Square's hopefully listening and um, you you know that they, they you know they have to want to try to because it's easy cash grabs right you do something with Chrono Trigger you do something with Final Fantasy 6 people are going to freak the hell out and they're going to buy it regardless of if it sucks or not they're going to still buy it so it's easy cash grabs 
And, and regardless of how I, well I just you do, there's some people who are going to complain about it. So don't let that stop you. Correct. You know? Yeah. Correct. Live Live, by the way, uh, sitting at an 81% right now on Metascore. The, uh, the Which is pretty good. Which is pretty good, right? For for a retro, very retro classic JRPG, like, that's pretty good. That's not terrible. Not bad at you all. You know, man, I, uh, we're coming up on, I just passed the 215 mark, so. Yeah, we are just talking and talking. it might be about time talking. to go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> we are talking and talking here. That's okay. That happens And you know, sometimes. our last track is going to add another seven minutes to the runtime, so we I know. get to it. <laughs> I know. So tell me about this last track and, and why it's so good and, and why we have both just fallen in love with this. So Live for Live is the final track that I picked. Um, I absolutely loved it when I heard it the first time. And even listening in alphabetical order when I got to this like halfway through the list, I wrote down in my notes. Uh, so what I said is slow, almost romantic opening, string heavy, opens into more upbeat flute letter rendition of the main theme, livelier instrumentation, whistle in second half, and then in parentheses, I put closer question mark. So I knew from the first time I heard it, this was going to be the ender for our episode. And and this this may have taken the top spot uh, over playing with psychos. Uh, it's... It's just a beautiful, beautiful theme. It's long, like we said, but it's a medley of all of the uh, the main themes in the game. So all that leitmotif that Shimamura has been weaving in and out of the music, it all comes to a head in this track, and it's it's really, really, really great. I agree, man. And it's so cool as this track goes on to kind of hear it progress through some of the different melodies that we've heard even on this episode from the individual episodes and chapters of the game and how it remixes it all, just redoes it all along top of that um, main theme of Live Alive that we heard bringing in the show. It's a great way to close it out. Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't have a whole lot to plug. Um, I will mention I just recently released the, uh, as we record, recently released um, part one of the Masters of EGM recap on Very Good Music, where I mentioned all the different composers that made the list. There were 60 at the end, man, 60 different composers. And um, the number one, he was mentioned eight times by the end of the, uh, the, the run, was Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, Shimomura was number two at seven mentions, and Uematsu was number three at six mentions. So nice. those are our top three. But... Um, I'm going to be doing a listener showcase part two here in the next week. It'll hopefully be out by the time this episode is out. And uh, my episode of the movie bar will hopefully be out around the same time uh, that I and I talked about his favorite legal movie this month, which is the Al Pacino 1979 movie and justice for all. So anybody wants to go check it out we could use a few more listeners over there so uh check out the movie and if you like it come listen to what we thought of it and yeah you because i i haven't had a chance yet to listen to your your recap episode of of um the masters of egm stuff that we did over the last month and a half but i do know because you messaged me for a track from jeremy soul you you played some stuff from people that didn't quite make the list right uh, no, not in that first one. So wait. Oh, so yes. that's so yeah. Or sorry. And the or listener the recap. And the listener recap. Yeah, somebody mentioned Jeremy Soul as uh, somebody who they thought deserved a place. And so yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Yes, you're right. For the part one, I played. It's it's a very different kind of episode. It ended up only being about an hour and a half, which is crazy because 
I actually played at least a snippet of music from all 60 of the composers on the list. Um, for, for most of them, I only played about a 30-second clip, but for some of them, I played a little bit more. Um, but I, I didn't have a whole lot of talking to do, so uh, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting one, very music-heavy. But yeah, part two is going to be a long one. Prof Jeff joined me on that to bring his masters, and we had, I think, 12 submissions from listeners. Uh, plus, I had a couple of different packets uh, that uh, people submitted in, so it's going to be maybe a three-hour episode. That one's going to be long. So, <laughs> Holy crap. And is that going to be then the final <laughs> episode of Very Good Music for now? Um, for a little while, uh, Shukapau and I are uh, talking about, we want to do kind of a run up to the end uh, in kind of a, a series of three or four themed episodes but that I don't know when that's going to happen. So this will okay. be the last one for a while. Um, but we are going to officially end it a little bit later this year. Well, I'll be sad to see that happen, man. But at least you're still on BG Mania. You still get to talk about video game music basically every week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, and, and talking about video game music, we've been doing that for a very long time today. So we'll go ahead and, and basically close this episode out. Um, before we do that, I do want to mention that Bedroth had a, a fantastic idea while we were sitting here kind of talking about this and just listening to all this music. So this episode should post maybe not on time, right? It probably won't post on Wednesday because you and I are recording it on Tuesday night. So um, <laughs> there, there's a strong chance it doesn't post tomorrow. So it'll probably be up on like, if I'm lucky, maybe Friday. Uh, depending on, I'm assuming I'll get your audio sometime in the next day or so. And if yes. I'm lucky, I can maybe get this done by Friday and, and have it up. But you had a great idea to do because it's been a while since we've done a bonus episode here on BG Mania. So I'm going to put together a bonus episode that's like a sister episode to what we just did here. Much shorter. There won't be any talking in between the tracks because we've said everything we need to say about these tracks. But you thought it would be kind of fun to do an episode that was all from the same tracks in the same order, but it's the Super Nintendo versions instead. Yeah, yeah. So I'm we're going to do that. that man. Yeah. We're going to do that. Um, I'll still intro that episode. I'll still close out that episode and, and introduce the tracks as they play. But if you're liking this episode and you kind of want to hear what Yoko Shimomura did almost 30 years ago for this original soundtrack and, and maybe some of the differences in the music and the styles, uh, keep an eye out for that bonus episode, which will drop. I'll put that up a couple days after this post. So it, it, it will be soon, right? It'll be in between this episode and the episode that we have planned for next week which I'm not going to give away the theme to that, but you won't be on that episode. So it will be a solo show. Uh, might right. not be as, as heavy and talking, but I will still have some stuff to say about all the tracks that we're playing. It, it's, it's an episode theme that kind of, um, kind of came about during the fifth anniversary recording with Frank. And I just decided we'll just go ahead and do it since you're not going to be on the show next week. So yeah, should be fun. I'm excited to hear that one too, man. It's uh it's going to be a, it's going to be a good episode. Yeah. It should be a good one. But I think that will finally bring us to the close of this show, unless you have anything else you want to mention before I before I read the closeout and then you intro the last track. Nope. I think uh, I think I've said all I need to say. I guess if uh, if you like what we're doing, you can find me on Twitter uh, at BGM pod and Brian will tell you all the other ways you can find us. Yep. I'll do that now. And that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show. Finally, for this week, a long one might be by the time I'm done editing it, man, there's a good chance 
I have a feeling <laughs> this one might be the longest episode yet that we've done. So we'll see. I think that, like I said, the longest one we've got right now is our Yuzo Koshiro um, interview episode on top of, uh, you know, that and the Emotions of Sadness Part 1 were both two hours and 18 minutes. There's a strong <laughs> chance. I'm going to get rid of some of the silence, but there's a strong chance that this episode ends up being longer. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to thank you for sticking with us through in this episode. It, it's been fun. Um, obviously, we're brought to you by RPGera.com, which is back. You can go check us out there, the home of BG Mania Video Game Music Podcast. We are putting up reviews. I did have my one go up for Stray last week. Sev, if, you, if you're familiar with him from the Max Level Podcast and his own podcast, The Fans Are Way Too Noisy, is dipping his toes into reviews and just actually wrote one for Digimon, uh, Digimon Survive, which should be up in the next day or two as well. So go check out those reviews. And then I got one coming for Live Alive. If you like what you heard and you're interested in the game, I'll have a review up for it shortly on the website, RPGera.com. If you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Come talk to us. Click it, join it, interact with us. Bedroth, what are we closing out with? Tell everybody. Closing out this amazing soundtrack showcase, we are going to be listening to Live for Live. One last time from Live Alive, composed by the queen of EGM, Yoko Shimamura. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.